drank up all the water. He ate up all the soap. Nom, 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 nom. And now he's sick in bed with bubbles in his throat. Hey, kids. This is a re-upload of an older episode. We had to cut some stuff so we can have the episode up. I would like to send a shout out to William Hurst for helping out with editing. Thanks to him, because he'll listen to some of these older episodes. You're listening to Monster of the Week, constructing old school magic. This is how we show from What are we talking about today? Is it who's out there? Is it Anton? Yeah, it is Anton. It, it's pre-modern time hello. again. Yeah. Okay. Good. Soon, soon, everyone. This podcast is all pre-modern now. Okay, you're no. taking over. No, I'm not taking over, but you are converting to pre-modern more okay. and more. So. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'm fine with that. We need something yeah. before our summer break, so uh, yeah, for sure. I'm I'm looking for sure. forward to this episode. Uh, what do we have in store? Yeah, we have a we have two parts in store today. Uh, the first part will be three minutes just a shout out of something very cool happening for the pre-modern community in europe and um, we will talk about turtles Mm -hmm. yeah and the very cool thing happening in europe you want to get that over and done with because i want to talk about turtles yeah okay let's let's go that way (laughs) uh okay everyone on october 1st there will be euro championships Mm -hmm. in germany this year so what's Euro Championships for starter? Uh, it's uh, basically the probably the largest pre-modern tournament uh, geographically so far, I'd, I'd say, or historically as well. Uh, it is the championship of all European countries and everyone in the world is, of course, accepted to come or mm. welcome to come. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah. but the title is you become the European champion. Mm. And we had uh, we had nationals. Uh, like we're talking IRL magic at this point. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. But we had nationals. Have we had Euro Championships? We had we had some in uh, Italy, right? But I don't yeah. know if it was that Euro Championships. It was so 2018. It was in uh, Italy, and uh, 2019 it was in Spain. Hmm. And then COVID came, and we couldn't do shit for three years. And now, finally, finally, knock on wood and everything like that. But uh, probably it will uh, be open for us to go down to Germany and um, meet everyone. Yes, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. And so, uh, what what will we be looking forward to? Uh, well, we will be looking forward to a full day of hopefully seven rounds of uh, Swiss, followed by top eight. Uh, we will have a full coverage by Wack Wack, who's also the host, the organizers for this event, along with Martin Berlin and uh, Mitja Held and Jens Jäger from Darmstadt in Germany, where Mm -hmm. we're actually going to play. So like 20 minutes from Frankfurt airport. So super easy way to travel to this to this thing. Okay. And because most people will travel a lot, we will, of course, have some things on Friday and also some things on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll play there will be a like local FNM, pre-modern FNM on Friday, and we will do some. It's a three-day thing, magic-related yeah. thing. Yeah, but the main event is of course the Saturday and the Eurochamps. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's cool. October first is the main event. Yeah. 
uh, and where, where where do you sign up? Can you do that already or? Is you that... cannot. You cannot. Uh, okay. We still have some small details to fix, uh, mm -hmm. but we're almost there. So we have put a deadline that uh, by the end of uh, June we will have everything up. There will be a web page uh, where you can sign up, and you will can read everything about it. Uh, will so this soon. be run with uh, Toloria? Uh, no. Okay. So you should look out for. Maybe in the Discord, probably the Wakwak Discord, and uh, yeah. like the a lot of Discords will probably have this. We have the pre-modern and, and Discord. Facebook and uh, yes, yeah. we uh, have the regular pre-modern Discord also, and Facebook and whatever. So soon yeah. you can uh, register. We will notify everyone. Good, and good. Everyone good. who hears this, who knows someone who likes pre-modern in Europe or yeah anywhere else for that matter. Tell them about it hmm? and uh, keep an eye out. So yeah, info will come. Great. Uh, should that conclude our talk about Euro Championships? It should, but we should have a nice segue to part two, right? Okay. So here comes the segue to part two. Great. Yeah. If you're going to win or if you're going to play the Euro Champs, you need to somewhat be updated on what's going on with Primordial as a format. Mm -hmm. And the newest, coolest deck that has been uprising lately is called Turtle Splash. Uh, and yeah, we've been talking about putting Connor Abbott Brown on, the founder uh, of the archetype uh, for a long time. And uh, yeah, we have him on. So, Yay! Ba -ba 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 Yay! Connor. <laughs> Hello, great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on the show. You're welcome and we're happy that you could join us because yeah super fun this is something we need uh like someone needs to put us through the paces with this one i guess it's <laughs> uh <clears throat> you even wrote the first time i saw it uh, anton was on the uh i don't know how long it was now ago but you wrote a i think it was easter, the east, easter championship yeah uh, 2021 okay so yeah. it's not that long ago but you wrote you just put it in there uh, as a bonus deck turtle splash and you even wrote like uh have a quick look at this and try to figure it out i don't know what's <laughs> what's <Yeah>. up basically <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about how you uh came together with the deck I guess mm -hmm. and yeah. a bit about how you how it evolved during like the two-ish years you played it or mm -hmm. uh, and you played some other formats with the similar decks I guess also yes that's uh, true about. Mm -hmm. uh, and but first off like everyone must know now that you uh, name the decks after like it's combo decks, right? Basically, that mm -hmm. you name after cereal, after American after cereal, cereals. or is it American cereal only, or uh, Turtle Splash? I think that is pretty unique to the U.S., but even a lot of people in the United States wouldn't necessarily know this cereal. It's a fairly yeah. recently released cereal. It's you know 
supposedly all natural and you know exactly kind of a free i read cereal. organic and <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> like eco-friendly and stuff right. like that and i thought this is not from my childhood at least <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but this exactly. is great all, all Connor, these you... buzzwords <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so tricks is uh, what it's named because there's a bunny in illusions of grandeur like a exactly. small bunny in the picture yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell us about turtle splash what what's the connection with your deck Right, so the card Gamekeeper, which is a crucial component of, of the deck, has a bunch yeah. of turtles in the art. So yeah. that's originally what happened. And then I actually didn't realize this at first, but the splash, someone said, oh, that must be Surprise and Bailiff because it's a merfolk, so obviously a splash. And yeah. I liked that one. Someone was like, oh, and, yeah, I, I thought that was You didn't think of that before, but someone I like, did not think of that before. Yeah. I only made the connection of the turtles in Gamekeeper's art to the turtles <laughs> of the cereal, and that's it. But then someone else took it the next step. Right. Yeah, this is the perfect, this is probably the best deck name named after a cereal ever. It's so perfect. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I, I think Banksy, someone told him that... Oh, you're 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 painting rats everywhere because it's like you can switch up the the, the letters and it becomes art. Oh, <laughs> and, right. and he hadn't thought of that either. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, just let people add stuff. Yeah, that, right. That's connected with the deck, but become the legend. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what I uh, gather my my like slow brain mental processing of this deck would be. Step one, get suppress and bailiff in play. Step two, sacrifice the bailiff. And step three, mill your opponent with Altar of Dementia. Is that like the main line? Or you mentioned Gamekeeper also being a key card. Mm -hmm. where, where do we even begin? Yeah, so absolutely, Surprise and Bailiff is the crucial piece of the puzzle. And it's definitely like a puzzle figuring out how the stack combos off. So the so trick stop, is stop the, right there. Mm -hmm. Stop right there, because no one will ever have heard about this card if they're yeah, yeah, really into it. Yeah, what, right. what does Suppress and Bailiff do? Because it's an mm -hmm. obscure one for sure. Yeah, totally. And Mercadian Masks rare. Uh, it's a two-two Merfolk. It costs uh, three colorless, two blue to cast. You almost never actually cast it. You usually don't want to have to cast it. Actually, no. um, when it enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts and enchantments from all graveyards. When it leaves the battlefield. Return all artifacts and enchantments from all graveyards to their owner's hands. And the trick is you let it enter the battlefield but retain priority and then sacrifice it to various sacrifice outlets. We'll talk about those later. So that it leaves the battlefield trigger, returning everything from graveyards to hands, artifacts and enchantments, happens before they get exiled. And then that lets you start a loop with cards like Animate Dead and Dance of the Dead, and then mana producers like Lotus Petal and Lion's Eye Diamond to just do this over and over and over. And depending on your sacrifice outlet, if you have Altar of Dementia, you can mill your opponent's entire library. If you have Claws of Gix, you can gain infinite life. You can make infinite Claws mana. Claws of Gix is a zero card uh, artifact also that sacrifices a permanent for one and you gain one life. So yeah. Gain one life, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's a bunch of other sac there, possibilities we can talk also. about. But. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, nice and uh, uh, yeah and you guys actually played in the spring fling also right yeah we did, we did. Mm -hmm. yeah so you met the deck uh, Anton had you, had, have you met it before the spring fling I've never or? met it before but I've actually played it before okay. so I, I picked it up in like late summer early, early fall last year 
and I didn't find it consistent enough, so I tried uh, out a lot of like blue cantrips. Um, but uh, yeah, it felt a bit clunky, and I talked with Connor about it, but then I like, just left the deck basically. After I, I playtested versus Jared set some nights, and yeah, didn't go that well for me. So I, I, I figured like Connor will have to build on this more, and then I'll pick it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we played in Spring Fling. I was on The Rock, and Connor was on Turtle Splash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was cool because I was 7-0 at that time. It was the last match uh, before concluding the top eight, but I was already in the top eight, and Connor was my last opponent. And I didn't put him on Turtle Splash because he was like 5-1 at that point or something, and I thought, he can't go 5-1 with Turtle Splash. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Fuck me, he was, and that <laughs> that was a it was a very fun matchup. It it was it a was. hard one for sure, and yeah, you it was, really it was a good match. Yeah, and you piloted the shit out of that, that deck. Like, yeah, you every little inch that I could have had against you, you played around that perfectly. So yeah, it, it was a well deserved win for you. Two one, you won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks. And the inspiration behind the deck was like before premodern, right, uh, Connor? Yeah. So. Really, it goes all the way back to a deck that was popular. In, well, I wouldn't say popular. It had br- a brief stint in Legacy from about 2005 to about 2009. It's a deck called Golden Grams, which appropriately often also named after Serial. <laughs> and the combo in that deck was it played Gamekeeper, but Gamekeeper would go get Surprise, or sorry, um, Ariok Salvagers. And then you would make infinite mana by activating Ariac Salvagers to get back Lion's Eye Diamond. And then, you know, you net one mana every time you do that. Then usually you'd kill your opponent with something like Pyrite Spellbomb. Of course, these aren't Ariac Salvagers and Pyrite Spellbomb aren't legal in pre modern. So, uh, but that that deck, Golden Grams, was my first legacy deck, actually. And it was uh, the reason I picked up Lion's Eye Diamonds back in 2005 or 2006. And I've basically been obsessed with that card, Lion's Eye Diamond, ever since mm. and trying to find new, new ways to use it. So when I came to pre-modern, well, I played Legacy seriously for years and was always playing Lion's Eye Diamond decks. And I played a lot of uh, Ariok Salvagers, which a lot of people call that the Bomberman com- yeah. combo yeah, in exactly. Legacy. So I played Golden that deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But what, um, and so you played, uh, if, if we talk about Lion's Eye Diamond, basically comboing off uh, different oh, yeah, of decks. Reanimation uh, uh, and like, what, what else do we have in, ha- have you played, uh, uh, what's the recurring, oh, I can't, Doomsday, have you played Doomsday also with it or? I have definitely played Doomsday at points in the past in Legacy. I have not yet sleeved it up in pre-modern, but uh, I know Michael Arnold is has been really working on the Doomsday. Okay. deck in pre-modern and it looks pretty sweet you know you're looping lands that i'm in with uh you play doomsday over and over and use future sight to get through your pile and kill your opponent with like ebony charm i think it is it yeah. looks really fun looks super fun Definitely i think uh, actually uh, anthony harrison uh who like is the father of that deck in pre-modern he mm-hmm. I, I think he came back he had like a two-year oh, hi- cool. hiatus but i think he was back now in this monthly oh good it out again so Excellent. Uh, good yeah so both arnold and uh, harrison is like on it so that's that's cool perfect putting it through the ringer yeah but yeah th- this is this is a great uh just point like lion's eye diamond is one of those cards that 
it has so much potential and now mm-hmm. yeah we it finally found a deck that like god damn it connor you made it you this is the cinderella story of pre-modern like you really <laughs> made something special and um shit i'm happy i'm i, I think the whole community is happy like that lion's eye diamond finally get to shine uh-huh yeah and so that's basically the story of why you even like started tinkering with the Lion's Eye Diamond decks and how you mm-hmm. like started figuring out like into pre-modern, I guess. You started playing like a couple of years ago or? Yeah, I started in fall of 2020. Mm. And you basically picked up the Turtle Splash deck instantly then or? Pre- pretty much. It took... Actually, my first pre-modern deck, to be honest, was the Greater Good combo deck with uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought and Greater Good, which is such a fun and such a sweet deck. Uh, so I, I started there, and then that, but sort of alongside of it, I was already thinking like, oh yeah, the the whole Surprise and Bailiff Gamekeeper thing exists in in pre-modern. I'll start working on that. So I did pretty quickly once I entered the format, start porting ideas over from some versions I had been working on in Legacy a couple of years before that wasn't good enough for Legacy competitively, but was a really fun deck. I thought so maybe, Suppress- maybe in maybe in pre-modern. Did, did Suppress and Bailiff, was that played in Legacy? Uh, if, or is that something you just found in pre-modern once you entered? Uh, I was playing in Legacy, but I don't think anyone else was. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It was a thing you could do in Legacy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I never saw anyone else messing with it, but no, that one was a spoiler for me uh, with the uh, with the Easter Championship last year. Never seen that card before. But, yeah. It's enough of text and it's enough of powerful effects that it should do something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's a good start. Looking at the whole pre-modern pool, there's hopefully some more. <laughs> cards out there that we haven't figured out. Uh, so your first iteration, you started playing. I actually see a Swedish name here of a serial. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> so what's the story behind that? Havrekudar. I'll, I'll say it uh, for nice. you. So yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a Swedish serial. Uh, what's the story behind it? That was just in honor of the uh, Swedish origins of pre-modern. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, that was like the the name I was using at the time. And I hadn't thought of the name Turtle Splash yet at that point. So, Mm. so Uh, I'm sorry it didn't remain. That's a great, great (laughs) uh, breakfast item as well. (laughs) Yeah. A bit more more basic than uh, like American cereal uh, in general, I guess. Not that sugary at all. Right. Right. It's basically, how should we describe it? It's oats that is like cr- crunchy oat that's been done into like square pillows with air inside or yeah like yeah it's yeah. basically no sugar and just oats oat cereals yeah o- oat <laughs> oat, <laughs> oat cereals yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so well, your first deck how did it go what happened and uh, where did you go from there well it had 94 cards in it which <laughs> in the main deck it's and a bit problematic, maybe. Yeah, shit. The, the idea, there is a logic behind it. I had been messing around with this in Legacy because of the um, companions. That, you know, you wanted, I, wanted, I was playing Yorian in the Legacy version, which made me think about the fact that 
you really, really don't want to draw Surprise and Bailiff in this deck. Mm-hmm. You really want to get to Bailiff by sacrificing Gamekeeper and exiling it and getting its trigger or triggering Oath of Druids because those fill up your graveyard. And if you just draw the Bailiff, uh, you're not getting to it in a way that lets you easily assemble all the other combo pieces in your yard. And also it's a really expensive card to cast. Two blue, three colorless. And in a lot of the early mana bases of this deck, and we'll get to later, uh, finally, for the Spring Fling 2022, I found a solution for this. But in all of the early iterations, the mana base couldn't actually cast Surprise and Bailiff, or very rarely could. Maybe you draw all of your gemstone mines or something and could cast it, but mostly you couldn't cast the card. So 94 cards, the idea was... With the Lion of Side Diamond, uh, like from your hand. From your hand, right. Exactly, yeah. So the idea with the 94 cards is it minimizes or you know makes it less likely you're going to draw the Surprise and Bailiff when you don't want to draw it. And also you can fill your deck with more of the little pieces that uh, you need to combo off without diluting it too much. So you could uh, actually you know play around with the math of having enough sack outlets, enough reanimate enchantments, the Dances of the Deads and Animate Deads and Necromancies, and enough mana rocks but also still play tutors and uh disruptive elements like discard or stifle or things like that so it just let you play you could play with the math of the numbers so that you had more of a chance of getting stuff you wanted and less of a chance of drawing surprise and bailiff so Mm. there was a logic behind it and there's (laughs) part of me that wants to go back and think about it mathematically more (laughs) and see if like maybe there's a version that is functional that has that many cards but maybe maybe you could add like 14 cards and play battle of wits also right exactly (laughs) might as well oh i've definitely thought of battle of wits for this (laughs) you know a version that's a 240 cards yeah (laughs) Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome to see. Yeah, it would take a while when you trigger uh, Gamekeeper to you know deal with that trigger. But... Yeah, but like still, the I mean, you have Alter Dimensions. So you could also play Devourer in that. You, you just true, could yeah. jam all combos mm. in in Primordial yeah. mm-hmm. in that deck, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and like the first version that I saw in these champs, you played Living Wish. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. tutors and. Uh, you you just jammed all the <laughs> like tutors, all the oaths, of course, and mm-hmm. w- what what more did you like have in the early versions that you decided just to uh, get rid of? Yeah, so Living Wish was the card that I think was holding the deck back the most in the first six or seven months of really working on it and playing it a lot, in that it really constrains the sideboard and this deck actually really needs access to its sideboard it needs to be able to actually play a a sideboard that can react to what its opponent is doing and not be just full of these uh living wish targets but Uh, what was your living wish targets let's see let me pull up a list here uh it definitely was there was a sack outlet so i think carrion feeder was in every version Mm. that played um living wish I, have and pro, also, uh, I can mention what you had in uh, Easter. You had like Carrion Feeder, as you mentioned, Gamekeeper, uh, like Crows and Beast. I don't know if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I forgot about that. So, like, just a big dumb dude to threshold. occasionally win a game with, you know. So, I thought Crows and Beast maybe could, you know. Is that a, a threshold squirrel 
It yeah, is no, a social no, squirrel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a squirrel beast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it's a squirrel. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, uh, it, it gets plus seven plus seven. Uh, uh, might have special. oaks on the legs, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have an orangutan you have there also. And the devourer, uh, yeah. Okay, oh, you have devourer right. also? Yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah that, that was sort of a sketchy idea. I think the deck didn't really... It could occasionally hit high enough uh, casting costs in total off of Devourer to kill your opponent with Alter of Dementia. But you didn't always have enough mana costs in your library to do it. So it was a cute idea, but didn't always work out as, as intended. But I mean, yeah, it is like the baseline to go through uh, when you play Lion's Eye Diamond, like what's the card that synergizes most with lead yeah it's the wishes like for sure yeah right so uh i i can see that one have to try that route yeah. at least mm. the other problem was uh having to put a gamekeeper in the side so the you know living wish has this really nice line where you can you know turn one ancient tomb cast altar of dementia turn two cast lion's eye diamond a land that makes green cast living wish retain priority sack the uh, Lion's Eye Diamond and have exactly the four mana you need to cast the Gamekeeper and sack yeah. it to Alter Dimension and start your combo. So it's really it's really nice on paper, but I found that having to leave a Gamekeeper sitting in the sideboard was a problem. I wanted all four in the main for various reasons that we can get into, but having just three main and then that one in the board, I just it never quite worked as I wanted. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like you 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 really put this deck uh, through the paces <laughs> so you have <laughs> have several uh, iterations that you actually uh, like tried out but what mm -hmm. what was the biggest like maybe not keeping 94 cards you mentioned skipping living wish uh, what's mm -hmm. the next step for you the next that? step was intuition transitioning away from living wish and going all in on intuition mm. For a while, they coexisted in the deck, and I was trying to make them both work. But then there were these awkward hands where you draw, you know, an intuition and a living wish, and you, it just was was awkward. So eventually, I cut living wish entirely and just am all in on intuition. And that's uh, starting in July of 2021. That's when I finally went there, cut the living wishes, all intuition, and all of the successful versions since then have been for intuition. Mm. And you always kept in the gamekeepers, of course, but also mm -hmm. also uh, like Oath, and you know Oath has come and gone from the main deck. Like mm. if you look at July twenty twenty one, the uh, I top sixteen to one of the pre modern online play webcam monthlies, and Oath was just a sideboard plan there. Mm. So Oath has come and gone. And actually, Gamekeeper and Oath have kind of come in and out. So there are a couple months where I tried playing just an entirely Oath of Druids version with no Gamekeeper in the main. Mm -hmm. And that was fun, actually. Uh, it let the mana base be really low to the ground. You really only ever needed to get to two mana because all you needed was Oath of Druids and like a Clause of Gix and for your opponent to have a creature and you could force them to have it with Funeral Pyre or uh, I think Sleeper Agent was in the wishboard for Ooh, some of those builds. Nice. <laughs> yeah, love Sleeper Agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there were versions that played no gamekeepers and all Oath of Druids, and those versions actually you could play more disruption. Like I was playing Stifles and Seal of Fire, which Seal of Fire if Bailiff comes in off of a 
uh, Oath of Druids and you have a Seal of Fire out, you can Seal of Fire your Surprising Bailiff to kill it before its ETB happens and get its leaves the battlefield and start your combo that way. So, mm. yeah. so nice. that deck was really fun and it was really good against aggro and um, it was good against other combo decks too because you're playing you know all the discard, the four duresses and four cabal therapies, but also stifle. So it's good against combo, but it was really bad against control decks and Sly because Sly can really easily never let you Oath of Druids. And if you're a combo deck that can never actually, and you have to trigger Oath of Druids really to ever combo often, you can never trigger it. It's just, there's certain matchups where you're just super disadvantaged. So I went back to Gamekeeper because you're kind of more in the driver's seat when you uh, get to control when you trigger a gamekeeper versus with oath your opponent has a little too much to say about it you know you're not should, should, locked in in that way should we talk about gamekeeper specifically because like i feel when i play against it it's like it's such a weird card like you do not want to kill it but at the same time if you do not have a recurring sack outlet like that's one way that you could actually win against mm-hmm. you, Connor. It's true, yeah. Uh, but but you kind of need to know that, and that's the weird spot since you also have like a transformational sideboard, mm-hmm. uh, and you you don't know like is there other creatures there or uh, whatever. But but how how do you play Gamekeeper? Like, do you ever play it out if you don't have the um, uh, recurring sack outlet just to scare I, people off? I, absolutely, I do, and yeah. Actually, in the if if uh, if it's okay for me to start talking a little bit about spring fling matches against Niels and who was on Enchantress, mm-hmm. I ran out of Gamekeeper in game two, uh, intending to combo off with Claws of Gix the next turn, and I didn't have enough mana to do that all in one turn. So I was kind of you know get ri- get through needing to cast Gamekeeper, which costs yeah. four mana, and the next turn have all the mana to keep sacking it more ba- uh, Gamekeepers and Bailiffs to Claws of Gix, but. I cast it thinking that Niels would have sideboarded out Parallax Wave, but he hadn't sideboarded out Parallax Wave, so I just ran it straight into a Parallax Wave, which ex- yeah. exiles the Gamekeeper, and then I don't yeah. even get any trigger at that point. So it was it was mm. uh, that definitely lost me the match that my my line I took assuming he had sideboarded out Parallax Wave. So yes, in answer okay. to your question, oh. I do cast Gamekeeper sometimes, yeah. uh, and have to let it sit there on the board. And yeah, and there are times where killing it or well, exiling it's easy. Like you don't, I wouldn't get the trigger ever. But killing it, like if you have a lightning bolt or something, sometimes it's correct yep. because maybe I hit surprise and bailiff uh, yep. and exile all the combo pieces from my yard. Hmm. Exactly. No. I I think there's like two or three things we need to like talk about so we might understand how the deck works, or at least mm-hmm. I do. Um, that you ended up. Uh, doing um first off is the reanimation package like how mm-hmm. how do you actually combo off and what does reanimation uh like intend to do for you because mm-hmm. you played necromancy and like one uh, necromancy and one also mm-hmm. led in like an earlier version but you ended up on a lot of reanimation like four right in your final version yeah the latest version is four reanimation mm-hmm. enchantments mm-hmm. so what's up with that yeah so the split and the reason to not just play all animate deads is specifically meddling mage mm-hmm. you really want to have a split so they can't just name animate dead and make it so you can't combo so right now i'm on a split of two animate dead and two dance of the dead mm. 
but and you need at least three mm-hmm. for the uh, like getting them with the intuition or exactly you need at okay. least three for intuition four has felt like the right number mm-hmm. uh i've considered going up to five and I think if I went was going to, I know there are a couple of folks right now working on living wish versions again. I think in those versions, because you intuition in a pinch can go search up other combo pieces that you didn't naturally get off your gamekeeper. Uh, and with living wish, you don't get that advantage of intuition. So I mm-hmm. think having more reanimate enchantments to make the deck more consistent with living wish makes sense. So I think five, maybe if we're going back to a living with version, but I think four is right for the intuition build. It's just, it seemed like I occasionally draw them and they actually can do fun, tricky things if you draw them. But mainly they sh- seem to show up in the right frequency when you're comboing off, when you've sacked Gamekeeper and are going through your Gamekeeper trigger. You really need one, at least one of those reanimated enchantments to show up. And four seems to make that pretty consistent. Um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, like when I played it, intuition felt so right in the deck. Yeah. They were super good, and Noracomancy was one mana too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> the dream was, of course, to just cost uh, Noracomancy and uh, hold priority, crack your lead, and uh, discard your bailiff if you exactly. had it in your hand. Because mm-hmm. uh, Noracomancy doesn't require a target when you play it. It, it's actually when it hits the battlefield right it's it, it's a trigger uh mm-hmm. that says you can pick up a, so so that's the like fringe thing you can do with it but it costs three compared to dancer of dead and animate dead so yeah. i think you're uh, i think this looks solid as hell actually color yeah necromancy it's so tempting and i know there are a lot of folks on the discord who really want it in the deck because you can do fun things like because it has that clause that you can cast it at instant speed yeah. You have to sack it at the end of the turn, but that doesn't matter at all in this deck. So getting to cast your reanimate enchantment at instant speed lets you respond to like Tormod's Crypt or Graveyard Hate and do fun yeah. things with it. But yeah, and playing it like end step opponent if he plays mm-hmm. like keeping up counter spells and some stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a tricky card. It's a cool card. I wish it was good enough. In the versions with Claws of Gix and the latest version I'm playing plays four Claws of Gix. You really can't afford to have to pay one more mana for yeah. your reanimated shamans, though, as you were saying, Anton. You played like some tangle wires and stuff like that in your other versions, but you went away. You went more combo oriented, or mm-hmm. why? What tangle wire? About that? The, the deck is really resilient to tangle wire because claws of Gix and lion's eye diamond. It doesn't matter if they're tapped; you can still use them as if it just doesn't matter that like, you can still activate them. So the deck plays a lot of really, you know, zero cost ways to fill the board. So you always have lots of stuff to tap for your, if you're playing Tangle Wire yourself, to play your own, uh, to tap for your own Tangle Wires. And Tangle Wire... I never thought about Lion Side Diamond that you don't need to tap it. Yeah, you don't need to tap it. Compared to Black Lotus, you don't need to tap it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Even Lotus, you need to tap. That's weird. (laughs) Okay, sorry. It's very, very strange the way Lion Side Diamond is worded for sure. Yeah. But yeah, the idea in the version, I guess that's the Easter Championships version, so that's spring of 2021. I, I was just thinking about how Tangle Wire is a pretty good way to lock down an, like a control opponent, someone who wants to s- cast counter magic to stop you. So you mm. Tangle Wire, they get a turn, but they have to tap all their stuff, then the next turn you can go off 
without being disrupted. So that was the idea with it. Mm. But uh, the reason I moved away from it, I just thought I was finding targeted discard was just working a little better. Because mm. yeah. I assume you always played for uh, Cabal Therapies, even when you started your first like draft. I think that it's gone up and down, but okay. it's definitely correct to play four. I think part of it was I was new to the format early on, and yeah, okay. no. you really need to have... It's a really uh, in, difficult card to choose the right card for sometimes. Cabal Therapy, you really need to know the format super well to cast it correctly. And it's taken me a while to, to learn all the decks inside yeah, and, and out. And you're kind to... of cheating playing four dresses now also. So. Mm. <laughs> right, yeah, that's you, cheating a little bit for sure. You, you, <laughs> can, you can have a peek at first. Yeah, exactly. Um, Speaking of peek, I've <laughs> considered that for the deck too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> peek is nice. It's a cool card. I, lo I love playing peak. Um, like Anton, I'm I'm like r rushing through here stuff. No, 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 uh, no, no. You, you, if you, uh, if you, because uh, as I mentioned, uh, there we have a lot of iterations, and so there's a lot of stuff happening. So yeah, but uh, I think <laughs> the the storyline works best if we go through like the iterations. And yeah. I can pre perhaps stop at some point, but but I have a lot of like. What you're saying all the time, Connor, I have a lot of like stories to tell about this deck. There's cool interactions that I've experienced when I played oh, when I played you. But fuck it, we'll we'll we come back to that when we play when we talk Spring Fling. So go yeah. ahead, Seth. Yeah, I, do I, your want, thing. I want I would love to hear your stories. That sounds great. Hmm? Uh, there's some cards that you decided not playing, uh, like you don't need the cross on reclamation anymore, or yes, <laughs> in that Spring Fling uh, or Easter Championship version of the deck. You could never cast the Prozen Bailiff. You'd have to draw like all your yeah. gemstone mines to cast it. And so the idea, if you draw Bailiff with that version of the deck, is mill your entire library out. Uh, well, it didn't. It depends. So you needed a Cabal Therapy to discard the Surprising Bailiff by sacking a Gamekeeper, targeting yourself, naming Surprising Bailiff, and then yeah. you'd Crozen Reclamation it back into your library, and hopefully at that point you'd have another Gamekeeper to go. <laughs> get it again <laughs> okay so oh. really convoluted way of dealing with the fact that the deck couldn't cast surprise and bailiff i see i see uh, so not needed in the later uh, i guess we can touch on the mana base when you, we talk about your final version mm -hmm. uh, again but uh like you you have you, you play the worldly tutor you play the living wishes was that because of the you more uh, creature package oriented or you, yeah, you just tried some tutors out still. Or? I was just trying stuff out. I think there was even Rhystic Tutor in that version, which yeah, yeah. you did play the yeah. Rhystic Tutor. Yeah, exactly. I remember we talked about that. Yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> us thinking, is this playable or not? <laughs> <laughs> I, unfortunately, yeah. I don't think it's good enough in pre-modern, yeah. but it does have a really cool interaction with uh, City of Solitude. If you have City of Solitude mm -hmm. out, your opponent mm -hmm. can't can't activate mana abilities to pay for. Ristic Tutor, so suddenly you get a three mana demonic tutor for so, a lot of work. Which Ristic you know, cool, Tutor, <laughs> your opponent for the listener who haven't looked it up, it's uh, uh, one black and two colorless, and the opponent needs can pay two uh, to search and like for you not to search a card, uh, the mm -hmm. demonic tutor thingy. Yeah, uh, but then again, you play the tangled wires also, so you had some stuff that could actually like make you because you you didn't play Sado Solitude then? No. 
Not at all. I think there were City of Solitudes in the board of that version. There yeah, should have okay. been. If there weren't, this, then it was a mistake. Uh, yeah, this okay. is so great to hear. Like, there, there's there's always a reason behind every card in, yes. in your iterations. Like, <laughs> sometimes you just, why? But yeah, as we hear, there was a reason. Like, convoluted reasons, maybe, but yeah. Very, very convoluted <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I, I, have, oh. I have a story when, when I played the deck. Um, which is, I think that was my last like bad beat story when I finalized, I, I put away the deck. I had everything set up. I, I had um, close of gigs out. I had to play a gamekeeper, but I had no other mana because I faced a discard deck. So I had to like just jam gamekeeper out as soon as mm -hmm. possible. My turn again, I have the win. Instead of doing it in my upkeep, I went to draw. So I draw, and what do I draw? I draw the fucking Separus and Bailiff. Right, of course. Always. And I couldn't win. Yeah, Always. and I couldn't win that. That, that. and it's like I could have done. I can I could have comboed in my upkeep before draw. Never like go to that risk. But I didn't yeah. think about it, and I just lost. Mm. Uh, so like, there's so many tricks with this deck that you need to consider because it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel. Well, I tried playing Doomsday, and sometimes when you're playing Storm, you sit at your kitchen, you're doing your stuff, but then there's other stuff happening at the other side of the board, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> there's so many things to have in consideration for. Uh, two yeah. more two more cards uh, that I, I remember why we gave up on even trying to understand what this deck was doing. Was was the Jinxed Ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That you also played. So <laughs> it's a two mana artifact that uh, whenever any card is put into your graveyard from play, Jinx Ring deals one damage to you. Uh, and sacrifice a creature, target opponent gains control of Jinx Ring. So uh, well, I guess you can come up with it, right? Or what yeah. was the thought about that? Because you're, you're not playing it now anymore, right? Not not playing it yeah. anymore. Yeah, that was just Alters of Dementia six and, or five and six was Jinxed Ring and Jinxed Idol. Uh, you can do exactly yeah, the same it, sort of thing. That was the other card I was uh, thinking about. Yeah, you play Jinx Idol. That that's an upkeep to damage. If you sacrifice mm -hmm. a creature, you can give it to yeah, give it yeah. to your opponent. But what, yeah, exactly. Do, do you do you retain priority and? Um, yeah. So it, it's a trigger that it will be passed to your opponent, but you can mm -hmm. always... Is that... Uh, okay, yeah, okay, when you retain priority. Yeah. yeah, so you yeah, okay. do your whole loop until you hit Surprise and Bailiff and sack the Bailiff and to get its leaves the battlefield trigger. And then if, if, at some point your opponent gets the Jinx title or the Jinx string yeah. and hopefully you hit another way to sacrifice Bailiff uh, yeah. that's in your that you get back from your graveyard and you cast that one and then you actually do the real combo. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about retaining priority with the yeah. ring or the idol trigger on the stack. Anyone who has played versus Connor or seen him play on the stream, even in Easter Championship, he's a nice dude. He has printed out like the stack, uh, and he has like black, white copies of every possible card that could go in, onto the stack. So there's always copies uh, <laughs> okay. of how many triggers are on the stack and in what order. Oh, and that nice. really helps. That really helps. <laughs> That's very nice. Yeah. Um, so. Once again, I'm rushing through stuff, but I'm just trying to learn here. There's so many questions, that's why. So hopefully we, we'll get through this. Uh, before we talk about sideboarding, because that's mm -hmm. another part. Yeah, yeah. That does that. We will probably end uh, and then start about talking about sideboard. We'll probably end with you talking about the mana uh, mm -hmm. base and how you end up with that. But uh, you're playing Ray of Revelation. That's basically for... Why? Humility. 
Humility, okay. Yeah, the blue-white control deck's playing main deck. Humility is, I just hate losing to that, so I just have a ray of revelation in the main. Pretty yeah. much I've always had some way to deal with humility in the main since I started working on the deck. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess we put the, like, I, 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 we kind of put things together uh, main board-wise, right, Anton? Do I have any more... Yeah, I have I have one question actually. When we talk about like package deals, uh, so mm-hmm. we talked about re- uh, <clears throat> the reanimation spells, but your sack outlets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're done talking with like the fringe ones, but there's actually one one good sack outlet that you're not playing in your recent list, Correct, and that's yes. goblin goblin bombardment because mm-hmm. I really like that one. So, tell me why did it get cut? It mainly got cut because I didn't want to worry about making red mana. In, at least but in it, the main. But is that an issue? I mean, you have Gemstone Mines, you have City of Brass, you have Lotus Petals. Is, yeah. Is it, and you have Lion's Eye Diamond uh, when, once you like start looping. Oh, once so. you start looping. Yeah, once you're comboing, yeah. it's no, no problem to get the red mana. So if you just yeah. are incidentally getting to Goblin Bombardment as part of comboing and using that as your win condition, which is the reason I think to play it at all is that it gets around some hate cards, but we can talk about one in particular, Gaia's Blessing, in a second and why I'm not yeah. afraid of that anymore. But yeah, I just I just was really feeling Claws of Gix and Lion's Eye Diamond as that synergy of those two cards making the combo actually easier to assemble and, and start comboing off than uh, Goblin Bombardment, which... like. Altar of Dementia, you can always cast on turn one with like yeah. Ancient Tomb, but Goblin Bombardment, no, you have to have the right lands to do it. And as I started moving into the the realm of Depletion Lands, so this is um, the lands that enter with two counters and you remove a count and tapped, they come in tapped, which is, you know, it is yeah. what it is. But you yeah, can tap them to make two mana of a certain color and then re- remove a counter when you remove the last counter, the land dies. So I've gone heavily in the direction of those, and I never wanted to use the mana from those to cast uh, Goblin Bombardment. Okay. With Altered Dementia, you can always just ca- cast it off of just a single Ancient Tomb. But with yeah, 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 yeah very true. But I, I've had a, the luxury of just owning three Claws of Gix. So whenever uh-huh. I played this deck, <laughs> I, I had my, my fourth Claws of Gix was one Goblin Bombardment right. because the rationale was like, yeah, then you could uh, win through yeah, some some obstacles, basically. Yeah. But um, now I've I've ordered my fourth one. So it's All right, cool. yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it might be correct to go back to playing one Bombardment in the list, depending I on... I have no idea, but you mean you have nine lands. You have one Disco- Undiscovered Paradise and four mm-hmm. Cedar Brass, four Gems, and you have four Lotus Petals. So you have 13, yeah. like, 13. possible it's, red... It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. You really, card, you really don't want to be sacking Lotus Petal to cast Goblin Bombardment no. usually. So, true, true. Yeah. yeah, you're the master. That's why I'm asking the questions. But yeah. Oh, I, I definitely think there's plenty of room for others to contribute to the deck, and I'm still learning the deck. I think it's there are a lot of little tweaks still that can be made for metagames or you know slight advantages in certain directions. So I definitely don't consider myself the master. I think the deck is, yeah, still wide open for, for tweaking. Um, 
before we talk about the monobase and then go into sideboarding uh, options and like what to look out for if you play the deck. What other stuff have we missed, uh, either Anton or Connor, that like you tried out? Uh, I see you, ha you tried Funeral Pyre and Greener Pastures at one time. Other mm -hmm. combos that you like gave up on or that might people might have another go at or yeah let's see well probably the least successful iteration and i don't know maybe i just didn't play it well this month or it was a bad metagame for it but i tried a version that played uh land tax and scroll rack and lots of basic lands mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. scroll rack is really interesting in this deck because if you start comboing but don't hit all of your combo pieces and you know you return a bunch of artifacts and enchantments to your hand with bailiff but if you don't have all the pieces to combo still but you have a scroll rack you can then scroll rack for a million cards and mm. sometimes depending on what you've flipped but it gives you another way to ensure that you actually combo off when you intend to and don't have to sit there trying to top deck you know usually it's a reanimate enchantment that's the missing piece so you're not just sitting there trying to draw, you know, top deck into an animate dead or something. So scroll rack seemed really interesting as a way to make the deck more consistent there. But it, yeah. it sounds like like you're succumbing to the fear of of fucking up or or exactly like, yeah yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a little too. I don't know. It it was fun. It was an interesting experiment to, and I think I was playing Eladomri's Call because that would shuffle your library. And sometimes with scroll rack land hacks, you really need to shuffle your library. <laughs> so I was playing Eladomri's Call as the main tutor, which is also pretty good with Lion's Eye Diamond, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that version of the deck was cool, but did not work out well at all. I think it's my worst record in a month, like one of the pre-modern monthlies. I think I was like one in five or maybe even zero and six, but yeah, it was rough. It was a rough month. But <laughs> you're still going at it. Yeah. Yeah. Lo love the, the determination of this deck. It's such a yeah, inspiring story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so maybe you mentioned like you had a rough time getting the like monobase together. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the story yeah. about that then? Well, it's tough because you definitely have to play three colors gamekeeper costs green mana the enemy oath, enchantments oath. are black oath, and also, yeah. oath is also green and then bailiff you have to play bailiff and it's blue so already you're in three colors yeah. at which point given the way pre-modern mana bases have to be constructed you might as well play five was what i was my thought process for a while yeah. so <laughs> like if you look at uh lists from like July 2021, that was a very five-color deck. I played Seal of Cleansing Main, which is white, and then mm -hmm. Goblin Bombardment, which you've been talking about. Um, but then I've shifted back away from that recently because of the Depletion Lands, and that's, I think, the was the final piece of the puzzle to making the deck good enough to uh, take down the 2022 Spring Fling was the card, specifically the card Surprise and Scary, which is the blue depletion land, which can tap for two blue, which very importantly makes it much easier to actually cast Surprise and Bailiff if you draw it. And there were a couple times in the in the Spring Fling where I did draw it and either had to cast it or somehow discard it, the Surprise and Bailiff. But knowing that drawing Bailiff doesn't just basically lose you the game like it did in some of the older builds, 
you've got those surprises and scaries as insurance that you'll you can actually cast the thing if if it shows up in your hand. And that was the major uh, shift in the mana base was moving into surprise and scary land. I, lo I love that about premodern. Like whenever you're facing a depletion land, like turn one, opponent plays depletion land, you're scared as hell. Oh yeah, then, you know, <laughs> so like, true. You're, you could possibly die the next turn because you mm -hmm. don't know if it's like greater good, is it Aluren, is it turtle splash? Like all great fast combo decks play depletion lands these days. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I definitely yeah. got the inspiration from Aluren. Uh, and, I, you know, I see Robin Lund post about Aluren a lot, and I was looking yeah. at some lists, and it was definitely seeing the Hickory Woodlots in Aluren that made me think, okay, that deck is pretty good. Mm. Maybe maybe the Depletion Lands aren't, aren't a liability like I was kind of treating them, and it's turned out to be true that they're actually really good in Turtle Splash. Yeah, but, uh, unless you're facing Wastelands. That's yeah, thing, sure, but. that's true. <laughs> We talked about fast banner before, like Lion's Eye Diamond and the Pearls, and you still get to fit in uh, the Ancient Tombs. Uh, mm -hmm. So you're quick in that aspect also. Definitely. Uh, you don't need any more Soldering Lands, I guess? or I've, I've had City of Traders in the deck off and on, yeah. and I really wish it could stay in there, but the color requirements are, have just been too challenging. And... You know, like Ancient Tomb plus City of Traders is, means you can't cast really anything you need to in the deck to win. But mm -hmm. Ancient Tomb plus Hickory Woodlot can be turn one, uh, Alter Dementia, turn two, play your Hickory Woodlot, turn three, kill them with, you know, Gamekeeper, cast Gamekeeper, kill them. Where with City of Traders, you can't do that, so. Yeah, and like you're still able to splash stuff but you decided not to do it since you're actually playing uh let's say a four city process four gemstone mines one undiscovered paradise and well i guess the uh, like fast mana some of the, that can mm -hmm. also get you to play like anything i guess but uh, mm -hmm. what you need to do uh, if i'm getting this correctly is that you you, you want to play duress or cabal therapy turn game like turn one or whatever maybe mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh, and you want to play oath real early and mm -hmm. uh, you need <laughs> like for the third uh, thing you need to do is have intuition sometimes so that's mm -hmm. like three colors in yeah. three different turns or depending on how fast right exactly mm -hmm. so well, you, it looks solid, I guess. I like when there's a lot of four offs. That's, uh, and it's interesting that you put in some, uh, like minor. You still have two of the, you have the Yamaha Coast and under, Underground River. Still one of the each there, and you have some. Uh, is it a basic planes or, what else do we uh, get going? No basic lands. So okay. If I were gonna build the mana base now, after my experiences in the Spring Fling, I would. Just make one swap in the mana base, which is, well, I guess it's two cards out. So I would cut the peat bog. That didn't feel right because you usually want your black mana turn one to duress or cabal therapy, as you were mentioning. So I would cut peat bog and I would turn that into surprise and scary so that you're playing three surprise and scary. And then to make up for the fact that you just cut some black, I would cut Yavi Maya Coast and replace it with Llanowar Wastes. So you have the same total number of black, green, and uh, blue sources, but just shifting which ones make more of that color. And you need two blue for Bailiff, so 
uh, I think it makes sense to have more scaries, and it didn't really ever make sense to play Peabog. I'm not sure what I was thinking, honestly. Mm. Yeah, you need to try some shit out. Yeah, I think exactly. Jens, Jens Jaeger, he, I mean, you wrote all this in your blog post mm -hmm. uh, on your own webpage, but I think Jens Jaeger, he took that advice from you, and he played this now in the June monthly, and he's mm -hmm. 6-0 so far. So Yeah, awesome. I was super ex uh, excited to see, see Jens Jaeger doing well with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also a good player. Uh, yeah, very true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess we're going into sideboarding them because uh, if I would have played this deck, I would have uh, hoped to win game two and game three, at least where you ended up with the sideboard. But uh, maybe you should talk us through the paces. We already talked, uh, mentioned that you, we, we, you went from Living Wish, so those are... You're not, you don't need those spots in the sideboard, uh, mm -hmm. but what do you need, actually? So, you need to answer cards like Tormod Script. Tormod Script is so prevalent in pre-modern sideboards. It, the numbers have dwindled a little bit, I feel like, uh, yeah. in the past six months. We, or we they talked were dwindling, that. but <laughs> I think they're like, coming back because of exactly. uh, the yeah. success of some combo decks lately. Yeah. Um, like two big tournaments, actually. Two big tournaments in a row, basically, yeah. yeah. So I think they're going to be more Tormont Scripts. Uh, so you have to have a plan for Tormont Script. So that's the number one thing the Turtle Splash sideboard has to think about for boarding. And then beyond that, what I'm interested in now and what's been really successful with the deck is actually having the option of a transformational plan and I've been really impressed by Symbiotic Worm. It, it synergizes really well with the yeah. main plan of the deck because you're already playing Gamekeeper. So it's really easy to just, okay, I'll Gamekeeper, sack it to Cabal Therapy, go get a Symbiotic Worm. And a lot of decks So can't. what does Symbiotic uh, Worm do, actually? So how, so, how yeah. does that work out? It's a 7-7 seven, seven Worm. And I think it costs eight if you have to hard cast it, which you usually yes, don't. Green, green, I have yeah. hard cast some worms lately. But <laughs> <Okay. of course>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it costs eight. And if it dies, you get to make seven uh, one one insect tokens. Mm. And what makes and you have the reanimation mm -hmm. package and you have the oath also, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So there are a lot of ways to cheat it in. Oath, reanimate enchantments and gamekeeper. So it's pretty. And then the fourth way is out of the board is to play Stronghold Gambit, which yes. is, if you're playing against the right deck, that's just like a cheaper show and tell that one sided show and tell to get your worm in play or a gamekeeper. And this is why I actually think the deck is ticking, uh, is very good because uh, you're working around the problem with the uh, crypts in a way, right? You don't mm -hmm. really, you don't, okay, you have Oath, you have Reanimation, and you have the Gambit. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you could do, and you're playing four of each of those, I guess. Mm -hmm. You're playing four yeah. Oaths, right? Uh, I can only see three in here, uh, but I guess three, it's four. It's actually just three Oaths in the current <gasps> build, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, right. maybe you don't need to <laughs> you're, you're, the, you're the builder of this deck. Uh, but what I mean is that you have uh, intuition also for mm -hmm. to find anything, I guess. So it's so solid, uh, like looking at it. Uh, and what's the story about with power uh, Powder Keg, though? Yeah, Powder Keg is just a really good catch-all answer. It's really good against Tormont Script, obviously. You don't yeah. have to wait a turn to get a uh, counter or anything, you can just immediately blow up Tormont Script. 
but it also answers some problematic creatures like withered wretch is a problem that the deck needs to find a way to deal with and powder keg can blow up withered wretches sometimes meddling mage it can answer i had to destroy three glow riders with with it in the yeah. spring fling it was yeah that was a crazy crazy uh, game and match it was incredible yeah so they're just random other things that powder keg answers happens to answer and it's a really good way to deal with torment's crypt so it's more flexible so than people are playing glow rider now is that so yeah was that yeah. justin martinez yeah. i think red white it was a red white like almost like death and taxes yeah it was really cool i, I like cool that list addition. a lot I'm, I'm exploring that card right now in like a okay. band survival uh list as well but um yeah i don't think it's good enough but um, mm. it's definitely strong against like recurring combo pieces yeah it, yeah. it hoses those decks so yeah cool but it's, it's funny like we, we talked um when we talked about Flint Aspel, the last episode about um, uh, Hermit Knot, it was the same story basically. Like he had he had an early version. It was everywhere. You try everything, and like the final version when the, when the deck's actually sticking, as Seb used to say. Yeah. It's it's super streamlined now. Like you have almost only four offs, and yes. uh, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's a very nice deck to see now. Yeah, with everything, like even the like the reanimation like you, you have everything you have you there's four of everything that's nice mm -hmm. that's just <laughs> all i'm saying yeah yeah uh, and like even the rare revelation you have two in the sideboard but then then again you can intuition for you mm -hmm. really can't you even if you, your opponent has graveyard hate you have at yeah. least one in your hand i guess so mm -hmm. yeah just one question connor uh do you ever keep in both Bailiff and the Symbiotic Worm host board, or Actually, is, are they like mutually exclusive, or what's the deal? Usually, I take out the Bailiff and yeah. uh, a lot of the sack outlets when I bring in Worm. I leave the Claws of Gix usually because you sometimes you want to be able to sack the Worm mm. uh, in response to like Swords to Plowshares or something. That's a huge advantage yeah. of Symbiotic Worm in particular is that you can still make a bunch of one ones if they try to source the plowshares it. Um, so just to kind of finish out the idea of do you sometimes leave in Bailiff and bring in Symbiotic Worm? Uh, when I was testing really heavily against the green-white Oath deck that Patrick Burt has really kind of brought into, uh, you know, into existence, the kind of pioneer of that deck, that's a tough matchup. It plays Sphere of Resistance and it never turns on Oath of Druids and a really tough matchup. So the Symbiotic Worms it are good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has funeral pyres for your baby. And it has well, funeral so, pyres, yeah, yeah. yeah. So tough matchup, tough matchup. Yeah, yeah. But it, Turtle Splash can win. I actually think I beat it twice in the uh, July monthly that where Turtle oh, Splash shit. finally top 16. And <laughs> part of that was doing exactly what we're talking about, leaving in the uh, Bailiff, but also having the symbiotic worms. Yeah. And having like two plans, two ways that you could take the game, depending on what part of the uh, Oath deck, the Oath player draws, and kind of being able to shift yeah. focus. And it worked out pretty well when I was, uh, you know, testing really hard against that deck. I think we should also, like, I, I played uh, the Bird Prison Oath deck a lot, and what, what decks you want to play against is the combo, like that deck yeah. closes and the combo decks, like totally. Wastelands and uh, Ports, like it's so good against combo. It is, and yeah. it plays two Guns Blessings in main, which mm -hmm. is 
kind of nice, but you have figured it out now. So t you should tell us before we go into Spring Fling, how do you win with Alter Dementia yes. versus Guest Blessings? This is because this is cool. This this <laughs> took me a while to think of this. So I would often just kind of throw up my hands at my, my opponent as Guest yeah. Blessing. All right, fine, you got me. Mm -hmm. But turns out if they play... so. The way you stack triggers with Surprise and Bailiff, and if you have Alter Dementia out and you're doing the loop with, you have an Animate Dead and two Lotus Petals and the Bailiff and the Alter Dementia, so you're, you can mill either your opponent or yourself. So this is an important thing to, to note, that when you Animate Dead your Bailiff the second time or any time after you've gotten all your stuff back from the first time, you can let the Bailiff's Enters the Battlefield trigger uh, resolve before you do the next loop, which lets you target yourself with Alter Dementia and essentially tutor up anything in your deck that you need to solve a certain situation. So step one for dealing with uh, Gaia's Blessing is go through your own deck, milling yourself until you have returned all of your Animate Deads and Dance of the Deads to your hand. So that's step one. Step two is start milling out your opponent and stacking triggers so that uh, the return trigger happens. So Bailiffs leaves the battlefield trigger, returning everything happens. Then your opponent mills themselves. Then the Bailiff enters the battlefield trigger, exiling everything happens. So what that's going to do is it will exile anything that they milled off of Alter of Dementia. Most Gaia's Blessings decks play a lot of artifacts and enchantments. So you're going to be pretty consistently exiling stuff uh, when you mill them. And you go through this one at a time, and you let everything get exiled as soon as uh, it can. Eventually, this is why you need a, a printed stack card. To totally, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is an example where the stack just gets insane. So yeah. you do that one at a time. Sometimes they're going to hit Gaia's Blessing, but this isn't so there's the problem with uh slow play with decks like like there's a deck in legacy called four horsemen that if you have a loop but it's non-determinate yes. when it's gonna actually yield the result you want you can't say it's a loop and you yeah. get slow pl play called on you if you try to do it but in this case you still have to worry about that because uh there are times where you'll try to keep milling them and say they hit the blessings really fast and you haven't exiled anything from their library, I think you have to be careful there to not be slow playing. Mm. Uh, if So if you mill them and they hit Gaia's Blessing without you exiling anything from their graveyard and then you do that again and they blessing again without you changing their library, then I think yeah. you have to stop and pass the turn, wait for them to draw a card and try again. But, yeah, like we're, we're, we don't play with judges online usually, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I, would, I think you yeah. can, if if it's courteous, maybe, but you yeah. don't really. Yeah, need it's, to do you, that. it's you it's, could it's, basically say you could shortcut like I want you to exile all your enchantment and artifacts in in your deck base. Yeah. That, that's that's the point where you're coming to basically. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think come your to the next thing. Has to do, <laughs> let you do yeah. that. I think you. I think it's best to execute the yeah. loop because. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, but mm. not do it as a loop. You don't just say, I'm going to do this thing a million times and get all your artifacts and enchantments. You go through it one at a time. You are changing the contents of their library by exiling artifacts and enchantments. So that keeps it from being slow play because you're changing the game state. It's not yep. just returning to the same state. Then the real core of this is if you see, uh, so especially against the green-white oath deck, if you see a 
Phantom Neshoba or some other creature. Usually those decks only play a few, so you have to be very uh, deliberate to, if you see a creature hit their yard, immediately enchant it with an Animate Dead or a Dance of the Dead. Yeah. And you just keep doing this. You're exiling stuff from their library. Sometimes they hit Gaia's Blessing, they shuffle their library back, but eventually you Animate Dead or Dance of the Dead all of their creatures, or at least four of them, because you only have four reanimated enchantments. So you reanimate up to four of their creatures and exile most of the artifacts and enchantments from their library. And usually that's enough. And you have infinite life too, so usually that's enough to to take the game. And that in, in this way you can uh, still win through Gaia's Blessing without having to like spend a sideboard slot on like Tormont's Crypt or anything like that. How many cards do you keep in your? What, what's the maximum like minimum cards uh, you can keep in in your deck for this to pull off? Do you like keep three cards in your library after alter to measure yourself to find? Yeah, or, or... Um, I usually just alter myself enough to get the all the reanimate enchantments. Yeah, I usually just find three actually. So that's my personal rule is because most of the decks that play Gaia's Blessing just play three creatures. So I. Find three creature animated enchantments and stop milling myself. Yeah. And if I get really unlucky and have to go really deep, yeah, I would probably stop with three or four cards left in my library. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's so funny that like because this is why I also wanted to play Goblin Bombardment. Like it, it felt so much easier. It uh, is much yeah. easier. <laughs> <laughs> you found a way. You found yeah. a way. All right. Should we go uh, to Springfling now? Or yes. Seb, do you want to add anything? No, else? I think we've been through everything that I need to know for now. Maybe I, I need to re-listen on what we talked about also <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one more time. But uh, I think maybe you should take the reins on this one, Anton, since you actually play the Springfling and uh, uh, keep keep it keep it light, keep it going, so I <laughs> can just lean back and listen to yeah, what actually sure, happened. Sure, sure. All right, so Mike Hoip, he he did his yearly thing. He organized Spring Fling. It's um, eight rounds before top eight. Uh, the eight rounds are divided into two batches. Batch one and batch two. Batch one, you play four, four matches. And after batch one, you are paired to similar records in batch two. So uh, there's a bit more Swiss feeling here. Uh, I don't know where we should start. Like, yeah, I also played. I played rock. Um, and you I did, did rather well game. with it, also. So. Yeah, it, it yeah. went rather well. I went to top eight, uh, mm. seven one. My only loss was against Connor here, uh, as earlier mentioned. But uh, yeah, never mind that. Let's talk about Connor here. Uh, Connor, you want to go through your games like match by match, or just interesting parts, or how how do we feel? Yeah, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'll just glance through my notes here and see what looks fun to talk yep. about. Uh, in my very first game, something about the way I play with Oath of Druids now that I wasn't previously, but I always do now or usually do now, came up, and that's that I'll just jam Oath against a creature and trigger Oath without having a sack outlet. I do that much more often now than I used to. I used to be really careful, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to sack, I don't want to trigger oath until I can sack bailiff. I if I hit it, but yeah. these mm -hmm. days I realize that if you hit the bailiff, yeah, fine, you exile some stuff from your graveyard that maybe you wish was there. But if you're playing against creature decks that you know go wide, which most of the creature decks in the format where you're going to be just 
jamming oath early anyways do like goblins and elves they can't just sit on one creature and expect to win so they're going to be playing lots of creatures so yeah. if you hit bailiff additional activations yeah you're going to get an additional yeah. activation <laughs> at least and so if you have the bailiff in play and it's uh leaves the battlefield or it enters the battlefield trigger has already happened then the next turn you oath and you're definitely going to hit a gamekeeper because you have to it's the only creature left in your library then you can do these fun tricks where you, uh, with Cabal Therapy now, suddenly Cabal Therapy is a live sack outlet for Bailiff because you don't have to sack it at instant speed. Yeah. So, yeah. so you can start going through your deck with Gamekeeper uh, until you've got all the combo pieces you need and then sack Bailiff to Cabal Therapy to get all your combo pieces back. Nice. And yeah. uh, so in the first match of the, actually the very first game of the Spring Fling, I played a uh, turn two oath and then oath into bailiff and then actually I just won immediately there because I had all the combo pieces in my hand anyways. But if I hadn't had them all in my hand, it was still a scenario where I would have won the next turn with the trick where you oath into a a gamekeeper and then do cabal therapy tricks. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and and you won. like it was blue white weenie uh, mm-hmm. and you like you, it could have been an, a problem with swords i guess but that's what you yeah you, i think that's true yeah so definitely risky if you i think that javier was tapped out at that point and i knew that uh i had the combo pieces in hand to not have to okay. pass the turn so i might have done it differently if I knowing my opponent has white in their deck and it's probably on sorts of plowshares, you have to think about that sort of thing if you're gonna mm. aggressively go oathing into surprise and bailiff. So yeah, that can definitely uh, be a problem. That's an example of you know Anton, you were asking earlier, does it ever happen that your bailiff or your gamekeeper is just sitting there on the board without a sack outlet? And the answer is yeah, that does happen, and sometimes it can be a big problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. We're we're moving on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're uh, doing fine, Seb. Fuck okay. me. You 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 run this now. Okay, okay. So, uh, like, then you met, uh, like, Blue Tinker Moth. Yeah, this so. was a really cool deck. That it was mostly just a prison deck that was playing tons of you know Rashad imports and. Uh, Mishra's Helix to tap down all the lands, and uh, eventually I saw in game two Sphere of Resistance, so lots of ways to make the opponent not be able to cast anything. But it also did have uh, the Devourer combo in it. So it had Altar of Dementia, and it had uh, Phyrexian Devourer to just you know kill you out of nowhere. And yeah. interestingly, though, the deck only played one Devourer, and it came up in game three, I think, where... I had uh, made Duncan discard Devourer with uh, a Cabal Therapy, and Duncan casts Altar of Dementia, and then Tinker, and I thought I was just dead, right? Normally Mm. you're just dead when they have Altar of Dementia and they cast Tinker and they're going to get another Devourer, but it turns out the deck only played one Phyrexian Devourer, and it was in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So so I snuck through this match, I feel like, because uh, if there had just been a second Devourer, I would have been It's even dead. in the deciding game, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. the deciding game, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting. That, but also, like, we 
how weak are you to like wastelands and you mentioned Richard and ports and stuff like that? You're playing 19 lands. Is that? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't play that many combo decks. Is that much or? Wasteland what is would you say, Anton? I'm is it much? How, how many lands do you usually play? When I would say it's bare minimum, basically. But you have Lads and Lotus Bellows here as well. So, yeah. I mean, if you don't play in Dark Rituals and stuff, like you have to be at yeah around 90 lands, I guess. It's... The depletion lands help too because they basically yeah. act as two lands. Yeah. In the yeah, you know, rolled into right. one. Hmm. And Ancient Tiamatsu uh, kind of does that. It has the same like. Look at me, I'm actually two lands on one card. <laughs> yeah, but again, Seb, this is also a deck where if you actually play Blood Moon in Premodern, yeah, Turtle Splash won't win. <laughs> yeah, it gets really tough. You got to draw your Lotus Petals then. Yeah. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> you keep you're trying to lure me into playing Blood Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a card uh, like Lion's Eye Diamond that I want to see find a home in pre-modern and see play. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah but like it like is big red. I, I want a big oh. red deck. Yeah. <laughs> but Would big red be like or something like that? Wildfire. Or? Yeah, I, yeah. Well, wildfire. Yeah, sure. But that's also. Uh, I did actually see. Uh, this is a side note, but I did actually see a, a legacy, like on Modo, they do this. Uh, what do you call it? Challenge, legacy challenge. Mm -hmm. I, I did see a deck with wildfires. Uh, yes, with one of those. that's awesome. <laughs> Pretty, that is awesome. I was like, maybe legacy is cool again. Maybe legacy is uh, cool again. <laughs> People. Yeah, play but. It, so <laughs> No, I was gonna say I'm, I'm impressed that you won against Tinkermod. Actually, I uh, on paper it looks like a hard matchup. Yeah, um, it, it that was how, it was definitely a really hard matchup. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and like you played, how many matches is it in each batch? You have uh, one, four two, per three. batch. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you have two more uh, matches in, in your first batch then. Yeah. Uh, so the next one was against Michael Phillips on Landstill and. I, I got super lucky here. I comboed really fast game one, or I was threatening to combo really fast game one, and Michael was mm. countering all my s stuff or disrupting me in some way. Mm. Um, but, oh wait, no, I'm sorry, that's actually a different match. Let me make sure I know what I'm talking about here. Uh, he's playing land still. Uh... Uh, this is one where uh, game one, Michael didn't know what I was playing and kept a pretty heavy like anti-creature hand. And I was able to combo off without there being too much disruption. But game two was a turn one uh, stronghold gambit into symbiotic worm from from my side nice. of the, the table, yeah. which you know turn one seven seven feels pretty good. Hmm. So yeah. I felt pretty lucky to just you know steamroll game two with the with the with the worm and not and not have it get uh, you know messed with. Well, he did cast humility at some point. But he was at such low life that I could just attack with the the little one one and and get there. <laughs> nice. But then again, do you usually keep do, this? Is also a white player. Do you usually keep some, uh, like, the sacrifice outlet or because you're actually playing into uh, swords, right? Or symbiotic worm only triggers in the graveyard, right? It's true. Yeah. If if it gets swords and I can't sack it, then I don't get yep. the tokens. But honestly. My one of my rules for myself in this spring fling was to just play really aggressively. Just hope mm. that if I was playing, doing the most powerful th 
powerful thing as fast as possible that that would win me more games than trying to play around every corner case. Yeah. And especially yeah, in game two right. against Landstill, I just assume if they see me combo off really fast game one that they might sideboard out sorts of plowshares. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, if you give some decks more time, they only have more answers. So Exactly, yeah. Like they they draw into the swords or whatever. <laughs> right, exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but this is so hard because, I mean, Turtle Splash is, for anyone, like, into Premodern, mm-hmm. they have heard about this deck even before Spring Fling, I guess. But, like, still, without knowing if there's, like, an... Um, transformational sideboard mm-hmm. you can't keep your plows in that, yeah, that right. is, you can't do that right? right so yeah it's hard mm. uh but did you up to the this is match three now did mm-hmm. you face any tormas crypts so far uh let's see did i face any tormas crypts up to that point i don't think so actually i think i got pretty lucky and okay. no tormas crypts up to that point amazingly hmm. But yeah. but I assume you board in your powder kegs like all the time. Yeah, basically yeah. the the auto sideboard plan is figure out a way to bring in four powder keg no matter what. If I'm yeah. in a, especially if I'm trying to stay on the primary combo plan. Yeah, yeah. It's course. less important if you're going yeah. to the symbiotic worm plan, but even there, uh, I like having them because Tormont's Crypt can turn off uh, gamekeeper triggering to yeah. go get a symbiotic worm so yeah it's it's just basically always bringing powder keg was what went, wound up happening for me in this tournament mm. yeah it's like devourer combo you always bring you rushing river like exactly yeah you, you have to mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right on to match four so yeah this is this is justin martinez playing the cool uh white red weenie deck and this is where that crazy game happened where i had to powder keg on three to blow up three glow riders <laughs> And what's amazing about that whole scenario is I totally did it to myself. I cast Oath early. Justin didn't cast any creatures, and I thought, you know, it's fine. I'll cast a Gamekeeper here and combo off next turn. He'll get to Oath, but, you know, no big deal. What'll it be? It'll be a Mother of Runes, right? Nope. It was a Glow Rider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So did it to myself. Got myself out of that sticky situation because of Powder Keg and... It was a really complicated game, actually. I was having to sack things to Clausevix to stay at one life. When, you know, oh, I was getting attacked with the Glow Riders. So, yeah, it was a really, really complicated uh, game, actually. And a lot went on. And, but, yeah, the, the defining moment was Powder Keg blowing up three Glow Riders. <laughs> yeah, that, that m- must have hurt for the opponent to see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he almost almost had it. Almost Even had you it, mentioning yeah. like <laughs> he being down to you, you gaining going up to one life, yeah. basically, also, and like the powder keg, it's it's ticking there, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's <laughs> like you you give the opponent like okay one more turn one more turn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So okay, that, that's the first batch. Uh, tell me once again how the batches works. So at the end of actually Anton, if you and understand you won it, all the matches so far. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so at at the end of batch one, uh, you get paired to batch two uh, versus opponents with similar records. So in this case, Connor was four O, so he will get paired to other four O's or a three one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's the thing. So you 
you will play versus uh, players with similar records. And that's the more Swiss feeling to it. It becomes a little bit less r- depending on like randomization now mm-hmm. for batch two. So batch two is, it's the sweat. But I was also 4-0 when going to batch two. And then you know like shit, now now the, the real struggle begins. Uh, yeah, you see your pairings and suddenly it's... It's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it was real. All my opponents in round, in batch one were, were played really well too though, so... Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you 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 didn't have an easy time. No, uh, no like it was close. You, you had some two O's though. You only lost one game so far to the Tinker Mud mm-hmm. Duncan William yeah. Pitt. Uh, but then in Bashu you you're playing against Stasis, and uh, how's that <laughs> for your deck? That's a fascinating matchup, actually. I I think I've done pretty well against it in actual tournaments. Um, Pietro and I, Pietro de Sanctis, who uh, I wound up playing against later in this tournament in the knockout rounds, we chatted for a while actually after the uh, the tournament about this matchup in particular. Mm-hmm. And our debate was, do you bring in Symbiotic Worm or not? Yeah. And, and that became a really interesting debate. I did bring it in here uh, and it worked out, but mm-hmm. Pietro is not, didn't seem like super into that idea because of all the bounce and yeah, you know, Shane of Vapor is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they still keep Shane of Vapor in, I guess, just to. Yeah, for sure. Again, you have the sack outsets, I guess. Yeah, but you can make uh, insects and then they can play stasis, and you, okay, you attack yes, them for seven, yeah. and then it's like, yeah. okay, now what? Which is actually what happened in uh, game two of this match is I successfully got a symbiotic worm out and attacked for seven, and then sacked it and got the. In- and stasis came out at that point, so my worm wasn't untapping, so I had to. Sack it to get the insects attack for another seven, but that's still not enough at that point. So mm. it was a lot of work just to deal 14 damage that didn't win the game. So I think Pietro is correct that going forward, Symbiotic Worm probably isn't the way to go in this matchup. Mm. I, well, I, I got lucky again, and it like, worked, but... Usually playing against... You're playing a combo deck, but like a control combo deck-ish, if that Stasis is, like, you need some closeness i guess it depends on how fragile you are against uh, i guess uh, with your main combo and maybe that's just better so you don't water it down with uh, i don't know right uh, gambits and stuff like that i like gambits though here so so gambit will always uh, get you a gamekeeper Uh, Mm. as far as i know i've never seen a stasis list in pre-modern that plays any creatures that cost less than five I've seen yeah. Morphling in boards, so you can always use Stronghold Gambit as a way to cheat out Gamekeeper to, uh, you know, push it through their counter magic. So yeah. they kind of are forced to always counter your Stronghold Gambits. Right. It's, it's it, very good against counter spells in that way. Yeah, yeah, very good. And then also, it, you know, they're pressuring your mana base by the card Stasis, and Stronghold Gambit mm-hmm. lets you, you know. Like I, even in this match against Mark uh, in the tournament, had a point where I just sandbagged a land and a lotus petal in my hand so I could cast the Stronghold Gambit, and that did eventually lead to me winning nice. that game. So it's a way to just do your thing a little cheap, more cheaply, and it's good against counter magic. So I actually really like Stronghold Gambit here, even if you don't bring in Symbiotic Worm. Mm. Yeah, uh, and you managed to take that match down mm-hmm. uh, so you're in your second match for the batch two mm-hmm. uh, you got three 
including that one. You got three matches to go before mm-hmm. uh, maybe going into top eight. Uh, you you're meeting Stifelnot, uh, like blue, uh, mm-hmm. mono blue side. It's when Lutz uh, playing it. Yeah, and this this is my first loss of the spoiler. My first loss of the tournament was this match, <laughs> and it. Uh, I think game one I'd comboed pretty quickly, and then game two I made a huge mistake by boarding in symbiotic worms and taking out the combo. And this is a huge mistake because a seven seven does not stack up to a twelve twelve. It turns out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I I had to learn this the hard way. But what yeah, about seven one ones? Yeah, even worse. (laughs) (laughs) It was funny. I got to a point in game two where we had a board stall where Oath of Druids was out and I had Symbiotic Worm and Isan's Shade on the battlefield. And Sven couldn't attack into that because I would kill the Dreadnought and get seven one ones. But this is not a board stall I'm ever going to win because Sven can always trigger Oath because I have two creatures out as soon as Sven draws any sort of like a stifle or vision charm and that's eventually what happened is you know that deck plays a million ways to manipulate its draws or you know cantrip and so just he went and found a vision charm and then vision charmed a dreadnought coming off of an oath of druids and then had two dreadnoughts and i can't beat that so yeah yeah and i guess stifle can also be a problem problematic stifle seems like super good it uh, is like against you mm-hmm. uh, it is i don't know it works with it, it don't work with none of your reanimation spells, right? But it does actually. You can trigger. Okay, you can stifle the animate dead or the dance of the dead enters the battlefield trigger. Which yeah, that's rough. Oh uh, yeah, the trigger when it enters, but not mm-hmm. the spell itself. Not the yeah. spell itself, right? Yeah. No, so. but you can you can stifle the gamekeeper trigger. You can stifle the return all artifacts to hand trigger if you yeah. let it resolve, and mm-hmm. then they will just. So, like, there's so many ways to fuck yeah. up uh, the bailiff yeah. or the game yeah. keeper. Yeah. So, some sheep interactions main. Uh, yeah, lots of interaction. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the- Sven played like 14 counter spells as well in that mm-hmm. list with like yeah. four foils and daisies and whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Really tough matchup. And I almost won game three and almost took it down. Uh, and this was all about the card stifle. So, uh, I was on the play and had a turn two combo kill. I think I turn one, uh, play a peat bog. Turn two, I'm ready to, you know, I don't remember exactly what I had in hand. I think I wrote it down, but I'm ready to combo turn two. But Sven played an island and paused on Sven's turn one. And I just, my spidey senses went crazy. And I said, Sven definitely has stifle in hand. And on my turn, I debated it. I am I going to go for the turn two combo or am I going to cast Cabal Therapy and name Stifle? And I cast Cabal Therapy and name Stifle was correct. I hit a Stifle, was ready to combo turn three. And end of uh, my turn two, Sven casts Opt, puts it on the bottom, uh, then goes to turn, uh, draws off Opt, then goes to turn, draws a card. So those, and I know the rest of Sven's hand and it can't disrupt me. So those two cards had to be perfect. Wasted. It wasn't Wasteland, but what it was, it was Daze and Stifle. Okay. And it had to be both Daze and Stifle because I cast Gamekeeper, it gets Dazed, I sack Lion's Eye Diamond to pay for Daze, discarding a reanimate enchantment, 
And then Sven stifled Gamekeeper when I sacked oh, it. But if there hadn't been the days, I would have wouldn't have had to sack Lionside Diamond, and I would have just reanimated the or animate deaded the Gamekeeper the next turn and comboed yeah. again the next yeah. turn. So it had to be days stifle for me to lose this game three, and and Sven had it. <laughs> he had the days uh, stifle. Uh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's rough. The the odds are eleven point eight percent. You and that was and that's just for the stifle. So to have both days and stifle to prevent me from comboing the next turn again is like way lower than that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then you guys met. We're we're into you. You had your first loss uh, and went to the uh, next to last game in the. It's it's not is it Swiss still even though it's batches? Do you call it Swiss still? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess let's so. call it Swiss. But yeah. So you have uh, two more matches to go, one loss, mm-hmm. and do you usually get in with how, how many wins do you need, uh, Anton? It's usually do you? guaranteed at you're, seven you're, and one, right? Yeah, yeah, seven and one. You're guaranteed, and everyone who goes seven and one will get a top 16 spot normally it's just top eight but if there's more uh seven ones there will be a like top 16 or whatever okay but in this case there were like three six twos in uh, mm-hmm. for the top eight it was so i think that speaks to how good the pre-modern format is as a format and also mm-hmm. the quality of the player base playing this format that there was no one went eight and oh no one went undefeated and yeah. tons of people went six and two only I think only mm. three people went seven and one, so it just you know there's a yeah, lot. We were, of... we were five. We were five. We were oh, there were five, five of you. Okay, cool. Five of yeah. you. All right, but but, but, but still, uh, for, yeah. For, yeah, for di- for this match, Connor, I was the only one left with a seven zero record. Right. Uh, yeah. So I was the only possible one to go eight zero. Right. Yeah, but I got no. the dream crash here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was uh, fun. I mean, I was super happy to give you the chance to actually make top eight because mm-hmm. uh, yeah we wanted to see turtle splash in top eight of course it was, but, a, it was a tough yeah, match w- w- but looking at your sideboard uh, only one tormont script yeah so uh, how do you i mm-hmm. no but it, it was uh, a bit annoying because like when i played the rock in november uh also did kind of good then mm-hmm. and i had a null rod in oh, and, yeah. two mm-hmm. and two torment crypts with one haunting echoes but i i removed the null rod and uh, i replaced one crypt for one haunting echoes because mm-hmm. i felt like there's more grind stuff going on here sure uh and fuck i missed null rod when we played oh yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's a pretty good card against you but it's a very good card against me yeah but i was gonna come back to a thing you mentioned earlier about cabal therapy and like yeah okay playing four when you you're new to format that's pretty hard uh, because you kind of need to know, and you did an amazing play w- our first game. Like you, you had, I think you knew my hand from a duress before. Mm-hmm, I did. Yeah. I, I had, I, I had one or two possible draws, and I think I kept my cool because I felt like I won't win against this shitty pile. I played this deck, and it's not that, it, it's not that consistent. That was my mindset when we mm. played, and I realized, okay, you're actually on turtle splash. Awesome. Uh, and then you did cabal therapy like your turn three or something, mm-hmm. and. You knew my hand, and still you named Deed, because like that was the card that you could probably lose to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you hit, you hit that, you hit the Deed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it it was like, then you start to realize, oh, shit, yeah, Connor, there's 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 like 
not because of chance or luck that you're 5-1 with this deck so far. Like, you, you know your shit. Uh, and then I got scared. But then I was lucky and drew I did my turn next. So the very did, next turn, right? Yeah, yeah, the very next turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I won the first game. But then we went into sideboard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, how, how do you sideboard versus the rock? After playing our match, I think that what I did for game three, which is to go heavy into Symbiotic Worm, I think that's actually correct. Mm. I won game two, but I don't think my sideboard plan, which is I brought in Ray of Revelation, which uh, Deed yeah. kind of can do its thing without caring about Ray of Revelation. So I don't think you, that's you take that out good. Oath. Uh, yeah, I took out Oath for sure. Yeah, I think I take out Oath. Powder mm -hmm. kegs, and uh, you did put in Ray of Revelation. Uh, I don't think that's two, right. Two of them. Well, yeah. you you said you're. It's in your write-up in the spring play. Oh no no, it's correct. That's what I did, but I don't think that's the yeah 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 correct <laughs> way to sideboard. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so you were afraid of the deed, perhaps. I was. Yeah, but I don't think Ray Revelation is a great answer. Anyway, so mm. game uh, two, I think. Yeah, what do you think though, Anton? Yeah, I, I was gonna say like. Okay, you didn't know my list per se, but yeah, I, I did play like Birds of Paradise and stuff. I do fear Oath of Druids when I'm on the rock, especially mm. in a combo build, like, because I, I can't not afford to play my creatures. Like, then I actually have to have, like, one Creator Village and one Mishra's Factory, and I only play mm -hmm. six uh, man lands. So, yeah, it is, it is what it is. But, uh, so I think Oath is fine if you want to go mm -hmm. the the Bailiff kill. Uh, right. Keep in, actually. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember this, because I think I mulliganed game two and. You started off and you ripped my hand, but I, I came back in the game and it was like super grindy game. It took a long time, our match. Yeah, it did. And that one did. Th there, there was a, another point here, and it was like, shit, you are a fucking master of your deck. Because there was a turn where I, I, I knew that if I only draw a, a Cabal or a second um, um, discard, because I had a Cabal Therapy in my yard, then, mm -hmm. I could, then I could fuck you up because you had like one Animate Dead and one. Um, uh, Dancer of Dead or something like that. And mm -hmm. you had the Bailiff in hand, but you didn't play it out or something. It was something like that. I think I was like... But the, mm -hmm. Yeah, but the turn before, you actually... You, you hard-costed your Bailiff. or No, you, you animated it. Whatever, you got the Bailiff in play, and you, you left your Animate Dead on that one. And then you had one um, uh, Dancer of Dead in your hand. So I could not discard your hand again. Right. Because I think I had a deed, and you, it, 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 was some, it was very complicated, but you... you piloted around my possible out so perfectly and was so bummed because then I of course drew my uh, other discard so I could have right. like, fucked you up a big time then but yeah you you played around it so well and I was very, very thoroughly impressed by that uh, oh. play. and then eventually you won but yeah mm -hmm. well thanks yeah that was a really good game really interesting game yeah I think that was where, uh, one where I had bailiff out under an animate dead, I'd animate dead at the bailiff, and I was doing using that to block like a blastoderm, I think. And, yeah, yeah. And whenever yeah. whenever bailiff dies with an animate dead on it, you get the animate dead back. So I could just keep getting the bailiff back to block your blastoderm. But at some point, you cast a deed, mm. and we're gonna wipe my board. But I had bailiff out, but I had to stack all the triggers in such a way that when bailiff died, I would. Get everything back that you blew up with deed but also mill to you because i still yeah. didn't have i was missing yeah. mana to actually combo off at that point yeah. and in that i think that was the play that won me the game was being able to mill to you off of altar of dementia mm -hmm. to be able to win the yeah. next turn yeah 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 
Yeah, no, it was a, a cool game. And, and third game, yeah, you did get your Stronghold Gambit. Uh, no, it was Gamekeeper into Symbiotic Worm. But yeah. I, I mm -hmm. was completely gone when uh, Symbiotic Worm hit play. So that one went, went fast. But yeah. the first two games was fun. I'm curious yeah. if you think just Symbiotic Worm, if that plan is good enough against the Rock. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I of course, boarded out some... Um, uh, removal spots uh, and yeah so I, I think it's fine I mean yeah. I can't beat 7-7s seven um, I, I can't and I can't deed them away either right so, can't deed yeah. the 8 eight casting cost stuff away yeah no and like yeah I can't smother it so then I have to like vent dead, dead <laughs> 7 and then you get 7-1-1 one, one, so it's like yeah. super fringe do I have a deed as well I mean yeah mm -hmm. it's dream scenario so I think yeah. they're fine yeah so, cool so now you're 6-1 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you lost. I do. I lose. <laughs> I lost to my fellow clarinet player Niels, in in the last game of the Swiss. And then I sat there for you know, like another week or something while everyone else was finishing finishing matches, just wondering if six and two with my breakers would be good enough to make the top eight. And it eventually it was because all my opponents, I think three of my Swiss opponents also are in the top eight, so I had really good breakers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't even close. I was gonna say you, you, the top three in uh, six twos who got in, they had really good, really good breakers. Uh, yeah. Breakers, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're like heading into top eight then, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, I, I want to mention that there's, uh, is it on Cloudgo like uh, Hoyt's channel? Yeah, yeah Cloudgo Ranger. Yeah, most of uh, his uh, he, he recorded and uh, they're recorded on Twitch still. I think you can find mm -hmm. them. Uh, I don't know if he has a YouTube channel also, right? Yeah, so he has. He has the cloud. You can you can YouTube probably channel. find them there. But yeah. I will put your write up uh, Connor with all the links for the oh, cool. listeners yeah. if they want to watch awesome. it uh, later on. Before going into top eight, uh, Anton, are we missing any of the you mentioned when you play the deck? Uh, you had some weird stuff happening. Uh, have we gotten into that or? Uh... Yeah, I'm I'm getting a bit tired and like blurry in my head now because we talk so many lines and so many interactions. Yeah, so yeah. now <laughs> I'm um yeah. It, once it pop up, I will tell about it. But yeah. I think Connor has mentioned a lot of cool intricacies uh, with the deck so far. So. What do you want to tell us about the top eight that you played, uh, Connor? Then, you, at this point, mm -hmm. going into top eight, you weren't really—you were—you were kind maybe a bit surprised even because you uh, had a X and two record, but you managed to squeeze mm -hmm. in. And how did you feel about it all? And I was just—I'm always just thrilled to to play really good Magic, and every match I played in the Swiss was really interesting. I thought. Mm. And my opponents yeah. were great. So it was just, you know, it's just icing on on a cake of fun to make the top eight and then play against more uh, great players playing and have interesting matches. So, yeah, it was just, it's just all you, good. You were happy to top eight, of course. Of and course, you were, yeah. 
wouldn't have been beaten down if you wouldn't have had. No, if I had been in, like come in ninth, I might have been a little like, ah, but it, you yeah. know, the, the games <laughs> were so good, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a cool top eight. It was a very diverse top eight. Let's just put it like that. Yeah, it's like a really yeah. good uh, advertisement for how diverse the format is and how every archetype yeah. has has a, a role. Yeah. So, yeah, you played goblins in mm -hmm. the quarters. Yeah, fellow Coloradan, no less. So, yeah, that was cool. We still haven't met in person. It's that's a cool thing about the whole online magic community is meeting people in literally live in the same city I do who I've never been able to meet in person, and we're gonna make it happen one of these days. But <laughs> uh, and you met goblins and Sly, and mm -hmm. also you had you did not meet like those type of decks in your swiss true but yeah you, you might not... have played against those kinds of deck earlier anyhow uh, you you have a fast deck if you actually manage to win against those so mm -hmm. and you did well, well what's your plan when you you're playing against uh, like sly and just be really fast and aggressively mulligan especially against sly just they're not disrupting yeah. what mm. i'm doing it's just a race yeah. so i just need See, to yeah see those games uh it really shows how consistent your deck is and okay. yeah there were some optimal like luck in the loopings but still you had it so it didn't really matter but yeah mm -hmm. it was cool to see how consistent your deck really is yeah i drew well i mean but also i was mulliganing aggressively too yeah i think in that match i got to do the trick where you cabal therapy targeting yourself and name yeah. gamekeeper and then animate dead it or dance of the dead it back to combo off for that makes the combo starting the combo a lot cheaper on mana i did that a lot yeah. i think in that match and that you did yeah let, let's pause there i i yeah because this was insane i remember I, I was watching it live and commentating it like uh pietro had two ball lightnings in his hand which you knew of because of first cabal therapy and uh, naming mm -hmm. something blind i think and he drew and he paused he didn't play a ball lightning so he bluffed that he might have a red elemental blaster right mm -hmm. um, and you instead of like taking away 12 damage to your face by just flashbacking cabal therapy no you, you hard costed to play cabal uh, whatever yeah play cabal therapy targeting him naming ball lightning yeah you did that yeah, you targeted just won myself, by, yeah. by targeting yourself reanimate your um, bailiff and yeah you won <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was cool hmm. uh, and you got to the finals uh, where you met uh, Tom Corrado Metelski uh, playing Devour Combo. Mm -hmm. uh, not the same type of Devour Combo that you met in the Swiss, I guess, but you you, ha you had some jousts with the deck earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a replay for that, but maybe you want to talk a bit about like going into the finals, actually in the finals with the Turtle Splash deck. Yeah. Uh, so this matchup is really interesting, actually, and I did a little bit of testing where I was playing both sides of the match. So I was, you know, had uh, the Devourer combo deck on my computer on Cockatrice, and I actually had the physical Turtle Splash deck, and I was playing both sides of it. I did a little bit of that the week leading up to the finals and realized at some point that if I can Cabal Therapy be a way of Phyrexian Devourer and then animate Tom's Devourer and then... How, if I have an Alter of Dementia, I can just kill Tom with the Alter of Dementia Phyrexian Devourer yeah. combo. And the Turtle Splash deck doesn't have a really high mana curve, so I had to do the math of 
every time this could come up, do I have enough <laughs> casting costs left in my library to nice. actually win the game? Uh, it, yeah. This didn't actually come up in the final, but I did reanimate Phyrexian Devourer, animate dead or dance the dead Phyrexian Devourer. And then in the first game, a couple times I did that. And then the second or third game, I animate dead at a uh, goblin welder that I had killed with a powder keg. So just interesting yeah. interactions between these two decks where the dance of the dead and the animate dead actually can do other things besides just be part of the combo loop. I thought that was cool that it, it, I didn't get to combo kill Tom with it, but it did come up uh, multiple times in the match that those cards are actually kind of versatile. Mm. Oh, they are. They are. Yeah. Uh, and like next for Turtle Splash, you wrote about it uh, like briefly. You hopefully people pick it up. Yeah. But, uh, you, you're switching out some lands and uh, uh, yeah, basically that's oh, and suppressing scary. Yeah, mm -hmm. go up to three uh, of those for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, you you found that being very good. So basically, the mana base is the only change at this yeah, point you're doing. Pretty, pretty much. I think you have to add crumble to the board now too. Uh, now that the deck has you know had this placing and people seem to be really aware of it, I think null rod is going to be yeah really prevalent yeah. again so i think okay. that yeah. i think you gotta have like crumble or something in the sideboard going forward for null rod yeah i miss null rods yeah well, I, I didn't face i didn't face a single null rod in this uh yeah. tournament and i played 11 matches not a single null rod and i i expected yeah. that going in that there wouldn't be null rods because i've been looking at people's sideboards for the past three months and haven't been seeing mm. any null rods so i just Said okay, yeah, good medical. Fine, I will I, not. I, I won't play anything to deal with Nullrod if no one's playing it, and it worked out. <laughs> yeah, as said, I I removed my from November to right, yeah. to the spring fling. Uh, wah, but, wah, wah. Yeah, but it's funny about uh, how do you feel, Connor? Like, I I I feel like the more exposure this deck gets, and obviously with going to this podcast and like you talking about the convoluted deck that Turtle Splash is. Do you mm -hmm. think it scares away more people, or does it lure in more people? Uh, playing the deck or playing pre-modern? No, 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 playing the deck. Because <laughs> uh, it's not easy, let's put it like that. It, mm. it is very convoluted when you win, to to win consistently from very weird hard board states. It's true, yeah. yeah. My, my plan is still playing gambits after sideboarding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old thing in big creatures that seems mm -hmm. a straightforward plan for me yeah but yeah now I, I love that it, it has gotten exposure and that uh, this is the perfect like i don't know i want to say the, like the end statement the, the whole uh sentiment of connor's journey is to never give up on your dreams like mm -hmm. yeah just perfect try trial and error and like adapt to new and try it out Yes. Eventually, we win a fucking hundred-player tournament. Um, that's pretty sp silly and cool at the same time. <laughs> it is <laughs> like only player basically playing that deck, uh, winning that tournament. <sighs> yeah, and it was you, Connor. So congratulations on the victory. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Congrats, man. it's been a really fun journey for sure, and I'm excited to see people picking up the deck. Like Jan Zieger just did really well with it. Yeah. In Pietro de yeah. Sanctis is done really well with yep. it so yeah there there's excitement around it for sure and that's that's the most uh 
gratifying thing for me is just mm. I think it's a really fun deck to play and that other people are going to get to experience the the joy mm. of of the this complex deck I th- is that's really what it's all about so looking forward for your first mirror Oh yeah. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be. Wacky. Should I p- put in the gambits or not? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So it was really nice having you. Have Have I rushed through this now, or have I missed anything, uh, Connor? Uh, we've been pretty thorough, right? I think that about covers it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, Anton, you're beat, beaten up also about losing uh, against. Yeah, ve- ve- very sad, very <laughs> sad. <laughs> but, but now realizing you need the crypts. Yeah, right. Uh, was this no. after we did our uh, episode about Angry Hermit also? Uh, you yeah. your no, this was before. This was before okay, okay, we good. did. Because uh, then we also talked about uh, yeah. people skimping on the Torment yeah. script. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just want to state that also like I I love Lion's Eye Diamond. I love playing like Ad Nauseum Tendrils in Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because Legacy has been totally fucked up for some years now, yeah, it's fun to actually get to play Lead in, a, in another cool combo deck in, in Premodern. So thank you, Connor. Like this, this means a lot to me to be able to sleeve them up again. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad to you that, yeah, Legacy was my only format for like 12 or 13 years in the game and it got really bad. So I'm just so glad that yeah. pre-modern exists and that now we can do silly things with Lions and Diamond in more formats. Yes. Yeah. As Garfield intended. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> so uh, that's all, folks. Uh, thanks once again, Connor, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on the show yeah this has been great yeah Uh, great to finally have you on man and uh, thank you anton for being here for me to keeping me ashore with pre-modern always a pleasure and always an honor to get to be invited man Mm. thanks take care out there guys bye 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 thank you look at that turtle go